my business was on the brink of bankruptcy when I started writing for Forbes. Writing for Forbes saved my business. It landed me an invitation to hang out on Richard Branson's private island with him for a week, which was just crazy, surreal stuff. And then it helped us grow way beyond what we had ever experienced before. I can track over $5 million in revenue directly back to the writing I did for Forbes and other publications. That's Josh Steinle, CEO of Influencer Inc., and this is The Startup Show. Welcome back, everybody. I'm your host, Adam Vasquez. With me, as always, is D Money Rhymes with Honey. And on this episode, we do sit down with Josh, who has been the CEO of multiple companies, uh, in addition to being an author, a contributor to uh, several publications like Forbes, Inc., and Mashable, and uh, has been featured in the media dozens of times by folks like Huffington Post, Time Magazine, ABC, CNBC, Fox Business, and many others. And on this episode, we sit down with Josh and talk about why executives and entrepreneurs should view themselves as influencers in their respective spaces. And within that, Josh gives us four practical questions to help guide how we craft our story and become an influencer in any given industry. I got to be honest with you guys, this was one of the most practical and educational interviews that we've done here on the show to this point. Um, We've had a lot of great stories, a lot of great interviews, but this one was extremely, extremely practical. And personally, I took away several things that uh, we've already begun applying and, and we will continue to apply to our business here at TSS. And so I'm hoping that you guys will be able to take a lot away from it as well. I think you will. Uh, it's a very tactical and uh, and personal episode. Get a, get a notepad or your phone out and get ready to jot a few things down because I think this will be a super helpful episode for you. If you do find this episode to be helpful, as always, we'd, we'd love it if you just click those four or five little stars in Apple Podcasts or wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. Throw us a review. It really does help. Um, we don't monetize, but we do love spreading the message and connecting with as many people as possible. We love you guys. We love making this content, and we hope it's continuing to help you grow your business. All right, it's enough with that soft stuff. Without further ado... Let's get into the show with Josh Steinley. All right, we've got Josh Steinley, the CEO of Influencer Inc. here uh, on the show. Thanks for thanks for joining us, Josh. Thank you so much, Adam. I'm excited to chat. Yeah, really look forward to uh, this conversation. I enjoyed going through your your podcast and and doing some research and reading as well um, about your background. You have such an interesting and diverse background. Um, tell us a little bit how you got to where you are today as uh, CEO of Influencer Inc. Well. It's one of those things where I didn't plan it out. It just kind of happened. I grew up wanting to be an entrepreneur and wanting to be an artist at the same time. And then in college, I started out as an art major. Then I switched over into business. And then I couldn't take it. And I started a business before I graduated from college. I grew up during the dot-com boom during the end of the 90s. And everybody was starting businesses. And I thought, well, this is what everybody does. So I guess I need to do this too. So I went out, started a marketing agency in 1999 called MWI, and I still run that today. And then that business kind of 
didn't do so well over the years. It was always doing well enough that it kept me going, but it was never doing well enough that I could say that it was truly successful. Mm. And in 2013, everything changed because I brought on a new partner, Corey Blake, who is a better entrepreneur than I am and much better at sales. And then the other thing that fell in my lap was I got the opportunity to write for Forbes magazine. And when I started writing for Forbes, then everything just exploded and took off in a huge way because suddenly I was generating these leads and I had this partner who was closing the deal and our business just grew and grew. So then what happened from there is our business grew so much that it led to all sorts of other opportunities to write for other publications and a book deal and speaking, TEDx, all these crazy things happened. And then people started to approach me and say, hey, how did you do this? How did you use this stuff, this writing and speaking that you're doing to grow your business? And can you coach me on that? And so then I started this side hustle called Influencer Inc., which now trains basically busy entrepreneurs and executives on how to do this. How do you sought leadership to grow a business? Hmm. I love that you start that story of your success by um, highlighting how hiring somebody who was better than you in certain aspects really allowed you to grow. That's something that um, our our business is, we're about a year old in the, in the current format that we've been in, and uh, it's something that I'm learning very quickly, that the ability to scale is not, e- is not real when you uh, keep all the cards too closely to your chest, so that's encouraging to hear. Uh, and then you built Influencer Inc., uh, you know, have been building it since then. So let's talk a, lot, a little bit about that. I know influencer marketing has been huge for the past several years, and, and now there's even, you know, the, the idea of a micro-influencers uh, campaigns that are that are using these folks that have, you know, maybe not celebrity status, but a strong following. And that's something that we employ for our clients. Um, what do you see as uh, an advantage? First of all, you know, who can become influencers? Is, do you feel like it feels like it's usually celebrities or entrepreneurs or things like that? Are there are there other folks that can jump in the mix? And then uh, what is the advantage? Why would you advise someone sort of building that influencer or personal brand? Right. So the first thing we have to distinguish in this conversation is what we mean by the word influencer, because there are those influencers who are on YouTube and such, crazy kids doing crazy stuff, and the Kardashians. And that's not the type of influencer that I talk about when I talk about influencers. I'm talking about executives who are thought leaders who are out there speaking and writing and getting their ideas and their thoughts out there. And that's the type of influencer that I'm focused on. So think more of Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, Richard Branson, Sheryl Sandberg, uh, Ariana Huffington. Those are the type of influencers that I follow. And that's the type of influencer that I try to work with is people who aspire to be like that. And so those are famous people. And I use their names because they're famous and you recognize their names. But that opportunity is out there for anybody. And I'm a a case study in that myself. I mean, yes, I was an entrepreneur when I started going out there and speaking, but I wasn't anybody famous. Nobody knew who I was. I had no name out there. And yet I was able to write and speak and leverage that to grow my business in an amazing way over a short period of time. And I look at it and I say, hey, if I did this, then anybody can do this. Anybody who might be a small-time entrepreneur can go out and engage in thought leadership and they can leverage that to grow their business. If they're already an established executive, 
so much the better. They can use their wealth of experience and their background and the knowledge that they have in their heads to write books, to create courses, to go speak, to write articles. And that's going to help them in terms of growing their career or growing their business. But the opportunity is better than it ever has been because of the internet internet, and because of how easy it is to get content out there in front of the right audience. Really, the biggest challenge we face is narrowing it down and figuring out exactly who that audience is. Sure. So that's that leads me right into my, my next question. But before we get there, so is this something that um, it sounds a lot like, you know, being able to use the model for for uh, content generation and, and to grow the brand? Um, is that something that, you know, you see a lot of CEOs and, and industry leader type people doing it? Uh, or is it someone who is maybe starting out a little bit earlier and, and choosing a niche to dive into, or does it even matter? You can start out anywhere. Wherever you're at today, you can get started. And this, to give an example, to prove my point, there are people out there, there are kids out there, and I call them kids because they're 16, 17 years old, and these are influential people, not just on YouTube doing crazy stuff, but in the business world. Mm. Uh, one of these is Connor Blakely is one name that, uh, jumps to mind. He's probably 18 now, but the first time he contacted me, he was 16, 17 years old, and he was establishing himself as a consultant to companies on issues around millennials and Gen Z and such. And he's an expert on that because he is part of that. Mm-hmm. And he went out there and he built a personal brand. He got a bunch of articles written about himself, and he was able to build this consulting practice, selling his services, selling his knowledge, his perspective, his experience. But this is a guy who's 17, 18 years old now, and yet he was able to do it. So he had virtually no experience in terms of time behind him, but still he was able to go out there and do it. So if you're 24 and you're just entering the job market after graduating from school, if you're 30 and you're midway through the first part of your career, or you're 40 or 50 and you're looking into a one last big career change before retiring later on or something... It really doesn't matter what stage you're at. You can always jump into thought leadership right now and start using the experience, the knowledge you have to build a platform, to build a personal brand. And that's only going to bring good things for you if you do it the right way, of course. Yeah, yeah. Per- that was such a great answer. I, I kind of worded that that question a little bit poorly, but that was exactly what I was going after. Essentially, I, I feel like a lot of times, especially you know, slightly older than me, I'm, I'm 28 years old, uh, folks that are maybe 10 years, 15 years older than me, ask like where do you get the you know the the courage let's say to um to start a podcast or to start creating or whatever i feel like i feel like that moment has passed me and in my opinion as as someone uh a little bit younger than than those folks that's exactly who i want to be put producing content and putting their thoughts out there and and um to be learning from because they have so much more just life experience and industry experience than what i have so um i love that you you focused on that at the end as well because i think sometimes it does influencers it feels like a younger term but it definitely doesn't have to be that way okay so so let's say you know a listener uh who's growing their business is looking they think that this might be something that they uh should be doing what are let's like give us your practical steps what what are the ideas the the steps they need to be going through um to begin building this this brand for themselves is it is do they need to pick a niche is there certain platforms they should entertain um talk us through 
Yep. So there are four questions everybody has to answer before they dive into their personal brand and before they get into the influencing or thought leadership. The first question is, who are you? What defines you? What is special about you? What's your niche? What do you, what are you passionate about? What are you really interested in? What drives you? And what are you really good at? What are you an expert at? And for a lot of people, this is a difficult question because we're all good at multiple things. I know a lot about marketing, but I also know a lot about skateboarding, and I know about education. I know about homeschooling. I know about, I mean, there, I could go through a list of 20 things that I could say that I'm kind of a quasi-expert on, and I might not be the foremost expert on these things, but I know a bit about these things. So what do I want to focus on? Where do I want to spend my time? That's the first question to answer. And part of the trick with this is to find areas of our life that overlap to find our niche. So, for example, I brought up marketing and skateboarding. I know a lot about marketing. I've run a marketing agency for 20 years. But there are 10,000 other people out there who have run marketing agencies for 20 years. So that doesn't make me special by itself. But I'm also a skateboarder, and I've been involved in the skateboarding industry for the past 30 years. Now, there are 10 million other kids out there, other guys out there who know a lot about skateboarding as well. So that by itself doesn't make me unique. But if you combine those two and you say, who in the world knows more about marketing and skateboarding? Mm. I'm probably in the top 10 there because there aren't many guys who have as much marketing ex experience as I have who also have as much skateboarding experience as I have. And so if you look at your expert areas and you start overlapping those, overlap two or three or four of those, and you say, does anybody know more about the overlap of these two, three, four areas than I do? Then you might be able to find what I like to call your genius zone, your area that if you don't do it, nobody else will because nobody else can talk about that area the way that you do. So that's question number one. Who are you? Question number two is who's your audience? Who cares? If you're going to go out and talk about marketing and skateboarding, who's going to listen to you? Who wants to consume that? And for me, I typically like to look at, well, who not just wants to listen to that, but who has money that I can talk to? Because I'm trying to make a living here. And if I want to influence full time, if I want to make an impact full time, I need to find people who can pay my bills so that I can dedicate my time to that full time. Now, that doesn't mean that we should always look for the money because sometimes we want to go out and we want to serve the poor. We want to do things for people who don't have money. But for me, my situation right now, I have to think about paying the bills and putting a roof over my head and sure. supporting my kids and stuff. And so I have to find somebody who can pay me for the knowledge I have so that I can do this type of thing full time. So that's question number two is who is your audience? Question number three is, where does your audience hang out? And this goes back to channel. How are you going to, sorry, actually, number three is the message. We'll get to number that one in a moment. But number okay. three is the message. So it's who or what is the message that you're going to share with that audience? What do you want to communicate to them? What change do you want to get through to them? And then number four is what's the channel? Where does your audience hang out? And how are you going to deliver that message to them? So if your audience is on LinkedIn, then you need to be on LinkedIn because that's where your audience is hanging out. That's where you deliver your message. If your audience is on Forbes or Entrepreneur or Mashable or YouTube, that's where you go because that's where they're hanging out. And to illustrate this point, I wrote 
164 articles for Forbes between 2013 and 2016, and I got amazing results from writing for Forbes. And so the logical conclusion I came to was, well, gee, I should be doing this for all sorts of other publications too, because mm. if I do that, I'll get that much more business. Well, I started writing for Entrepreneur Magazine, and I took one of the articles I wrote on Forbes, and I said, this article's really generated a lot of leads for me. I'm going to copy it over and publish it on Entrepreneur. I'll just tweak it enough that it's a unique article, but basically the same type of thing. I published that article on Entrepreneur, and nothing happened. I got no results from it. Same article, two different publications that are similar, and yet in one place I got amazing results, and the other place I got almost no results. And that's because my audience wasn't on Entrepreneur. My audience was on Forbes. And so when I put it over to Entrepreneur, it was just cricket. So that's the importance of choosing the right channel and making sure that your channel is where your audience hangs out. Mm -hmm. So those are the four questions. Who are you? Who's your audience? What's your message for your audience? And what's the channel? How are you going to deliver that message to that audience? That's how you get started. Man, that's so helpful, and I think uh, it's so true with the, what you just emphasized there at the end with the the getting the channel, getting the platform correct. I, I'm thinking back to the beginning of this show, and we started it as a video show on Facebook Live or Facebook Video and, and YouTube, and um, it really just didn't get the momentum that it needed, or, or you know that it has now until we made it primarily an audio podcast. And I think it's for the same reason you just, you know, suggested that people want this kind of content. Our audience develop or uh, consumes this kind of content with their ears and not necessarily with their eyes. So that little tweak can, can make all the difference. Um, I want to go back to the message, which, which you talked about, uh, and figuring out what, what your message is. So if you've got one and two down, you know who you are, you know who your audience is, uh, or you at least have a good idea with it about that. Talk us through, because one thing I know that is tough is figuring out how to communicate your message in a way that, to your point, can pay the bills. Sometimes it's easy to to just talk about what you want to talk about. You can talk about skateboarding. You can talk about marketing. Um, you know, those are interesting things. But how do you craft that message in a way that allows you to monetize when it's appropriate? Yeah, and I know for a lot of people listening, this is the part where they cringe because they're thinking, man, I hate sales. Like, I hate selling. I hate trying to mm -hmm. push people to buy stuff. And I'm the same way. I hate, hate, hate doing that. I hate being a sales guy, even though I think sales is actually a good thing, but I just don't like the, that stereotypical image of the person who's just always pushing something on people. So I don't like that either. So I like to talk about how to sell without selling. And the way you do that is you give out a lot of value and then you just kind of mention offhand things that you do. And so, for example, I've done this in this podcast here today. I've mentioned MWI, my marketing agency. I'm doing it right now, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not selling it. I'm not saying, hey, you should come and buy MWI services, but I'm throwing out there, hey, I run a marketing agency. I'm opening that door but if somebody says, oh, hey, I've been looking for a marketing agency lately. I need somebody to my, manage my SEO. They can pick up on that, and maybe they can follow up on that. Or we mentioned Influencer Inc. at the beginning. And so I'm not giving out a sales pitch for the courses we sell or anything. And yet, by virtue of that coming up in this podcast, I know that some people are going to trickle through from this podcast. They're going to look at my company. They're going to look at my LinkedIn profile. They're going to see the services I provide. Or they're just going to listen to this podcast and say, 
man, I really like what this guy is saying. I like the way he puts it. And I'm looking for an executive coach or I'm looking for a speaker to bring in and people are going to reach out. And so I don't have to go out and do, I mean, that was, that was about as much of a sales pitch as I could give right there. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. just to illustrate this point that I don't have to do that. I could come on this podcast and I could just talk all day about value or giving value and what people can do to become thought leaders and how they can become more influential. And I would never have to mention my businesses or anything that my businesses do. But I know that by giving out value and giving out tips, people are going to find me and they're going to figure out what I do. So I did this when I was writing for Forbes a lot, that I would write articles about marketing and I would give all my secrets away. I would tell people exactly how to do it themselves when it came to SEO or paid search or social media or thought leadership or PR. I would tell them exactly what to do so that they could go do it themselves and then they wouldn't even need my marketing agency. Mm. And the reason I did that is because I knew that 95% of the people reading the article would read it and say, wow, these tips are right on. This guy's telling me exactly how to do it, but I don't have time to do this. So I'm just going to go hire this guy because now he's proven to me that he knows how to do it. And so let's just go hire him. He's the expert. Let's go hire his agency to do this stuff. And so I never had to say anything. I could write an article that never mentioned my business, that never even mentioned that this is what I do for a living, but people would figure it out. Now, maybe it was only 1% of the people reading the article who figured it out, but that was plenty to help my business grow like crazy. I mean, my business grew 1,400% one year after I started writing for Forbes, and it was because of writing about things that I knew without ever directly selling my business to people. Man, it's so helpful. I think uh, uh, so just adding value, creating it, you know, with the intent of adding value. And then when opportunities do arise, obviously offering what you guys do and, and um, you know, not selling per se, but it is selling, which, I, I, you know, I like selling. I don't have a problem with it. I don't think it's a dirty word, um, but I think you're right. A lot of people <laughs> have a problem with it. So totally, totally understand that. And by the way, um, we'll have link, we'll have links to all the things Josh mentioned, LinkedIn, MWI, Influencer Inc. below in case you do, by chance, for some reason, want to uh, <laughs> investigate those things. Cool. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, my last question for you, and, and then we'd love to hear anything that you'd love to, you'd like to add as well, is just you keep you keep offhand sort of throwing out there, yeah, yeah, I worked for or I wrote for Forbes, yeah, I wrote for Entrepreneur. I mean, that's a big deal. A lot of people want to write for those uh, publications, and a lot of folks want to you know have that um, that awareness. And I've heard you on on your podcast and some of the things I've I've read that you've written talk about thought leadership and publication as a loss leader in order to drive business. You've touched on that a little bit, but I'm just curious, how did you, how did you become a contributor to these platforms? Um, you know, how does one go about doing that? Sure. So the first time that I got into writing for these publications, I got lucky. I knew somebody and it's like they say, it's all about who you know, not what you know. I knew the right person at the right time. I got lucky. I got in. That worked with one publication. The next 20 publications they got into, I had to get in the hard way, which was pitching. And so I've learned a few things about how to get accepted and also a lot of about how to get rejected by these publications. Mm. And it's so here are a few tips on how to get into these mostly business publications. So I wrote for Forbes, Fast Company, Fortune, TechCrunch, Mashable, Entrepreneur, 
but all primarily business-focused publications. Right. And the way that I got into these, when I was pitching myself, not that lucky one, that doesn't really help you, but it, to talk about the ones where I had to go and pitch myself, there are a few things that I, there's some steps that I followed there. One was I did a lot of preparation before I ever pitched them. So it wasn't like I just went to a magazine and said, hey, I'd love to write for you. Can I write? That never works. You have to think about the way that you're going into that pitch first. So number one is I thought about my personal brand and who I am and what my focus is. We already talked about that a little bit. Um, so I knew who I was, who my audience was, what the message was that I wanted to get across before I went and pitched myself to these publications. So then I could walk in to the editor and say, hey, this is what I write about. Editors are not looking for great writers. They're looking for writers with a unique perspective. And that's what you bring there. If you go in and you say, hey, I'm a great writer, the editor's going to say, you know how many English and journalism grads there are beating down my door who are really good writers who want to write here? Like, they can go hire those people for super cheap. They can get those people for practically free. So if you go in there and say, hey, I want to write articles for you, they're gonna, I'm really good at writing, that's not what they want. What they really want is you to come in and say, I know how to write about XYZ topic better than anybody else, or I know this topic and you don't have anybody on staff that I can see who's already writing about it, and I can add that to your collection. That's what they want to hear is that you have something unique to bring that they don't already have as part of their collection on their, their magazine or their publication. Mm. So once you know who you are and what you want to write about and you know your audience and you go and you're looking at the right publication where your audience actually hangs out, then you get your platform ready, you get, which means your website, your social media profiles. Um, I mean, if you're posting all sorts of antagonistic political stuff on your Facebook or Twitter profile, you want to get rid of that stuff because that's a big red flag to editors who do not want you to cover that stuff when you're writing for them. Sure, You want to nice. make sure that your social media profiles are professional and on brand and focused on the topic that you want to write about. And I'm leaving some steps out here, but these are some of the basic steps yeah. to get in. So once you actually go to pitch, your email that you're going to send to an editor is really going to be pretty short. It's going to be, hey, this is who I am. This is what I write about. This is my audience. It looks like you don't have anybody writing about this on your publication at the moment. And I think I can bring something unique here. And then you also want to have some writing samples ready. And that can be on a blog, it can be on Medium, it can be on LinkedIn. It could also just be a Google Doc or something that you send over and you say, hey, here's some examples of my writing. This is what you're going to get if you bring me on as a contributor to write for a publication. So the editor knows what they're getting into if they bring you on. And when you send in that pitch, you send it to one editor at a time. You don't want to go out and pitch 10 editors at 10 different publications or 10 editors at the same publication. You want to pitch one editor because what you don't want to happen is you don't want five editors getting back to you and saying, hey, we love your writing. We want you to write for our publications because now you've got a problem. You've got to write for five publications and you probably don't have time to do that. Mm. Yeah, super, super helpful. Uh, I think uh, specifically coming up coming up with the unique perspective is something that um, – you know, I've left out in the past. I know, I know it's an easy step to leave out. You prepare obviously, but what is the difference? What is it that you're offering that they don't have, as you mentioned in that, like a, 
a, a grammar student uh, coming straight out of college wouldn't have as well. So very, very helpful. Well, Josh, thank you so much for, uh, for these tips and for walking us through how we can, you know, grow our influence, how we can begin building that personal brand before we go. Um, well, two things, number one, did you see the results that you wanted from, from pitching and writing for Forbes in those companies? And then, uh, and then leave us with anything that you'd like to pitch us, uh, before we head out. Yeah, I mean, the results I got were amazing. So my business was on the brink of bankruptcy when I started writing for Forbes. It was me and one other guy in the business. We had just lost most of our clients. We had an account manager, bad account manager, lost a bunch of our clients. We were trying to recover, and writing for Forbes saved my business, and then it helped us grow way beyond what we had ever experienced before. I can track over $5 million in revenue directly back to the writing I did for Forbes and other publications. Wow. It landed me a book deal. It landed me a TEDx talk. It landed me an invitation to hang out on Richard Branson's private island with him for a week, which was just crazy, surreal stuff. Uh, so I've traveled the world speaking because of this writing. I mean, it's been incredible for me. And I'm not unique. I have friends in the industry, and they've had similar crazy experiences. So I'm not an abnormal person i'm not special but once i started writing for these publications an amazing thing started happening to me and the same things can happen to anybody who gets in and writes for these publications but it all starts with working on your personal brand and figuring that out first yeah that's awesome thank you thanks for for sharing all of that uh we'll have links obviously for everyone to uh to check you out after the show anything that you want to leave us with or anything that you'd like to to pitch before we go no, I hate selling, so I'm not going to sell anything <laughs> right now. That was a test. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Josh. We really appreciate it. This has been a, a fun episode. And uh, uh, for all the listeners, make sure to, to check out all of his links for non-sales purposes in the show notes below. All right. Thank you so much, Adam. Okay, guys, I hope you guys thoroughly enjoyed that episode. I know I did and, and really love the practical advice that Josh gave around how to become a contributor to major publications, as well as the four questions that he mentioned that you can ask to get started on your personal brand. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this show, we'd love to get a review as always, and we will be back this Saturday with another episode of TSS Rundown. But until then, finish the week strong, guys and get started.